0: Lucas on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio, and let's face it, it's been the weirdest of weird years with the COVID crisis. Social distancing—two meters, one meter—that person wearing a mask—are they a bank robber returning from a job, or simply someone obeying the rules and going shopping? It's been really strange, but there are many of us who have discovered that slowing down and living life without the structure that we're used to, that creates its own challenges. This week on on LucasOnLife, we're talking about rushing. Feverish excitement broke out in the Lucas household this week, and all because of the arrival of tomato ketchup. A confession like that probably paints us as a sad family that definitely needs to get out more if we get giddy and don party hats every time the groceries arrive. But this was no ordinary ketchup. The Heinz Company, ever eager to improve on perfection, has produced what looks like an upside down ketchup bottle with the cap on the bottom. This simple revolution means that the red stuff is always pulled down by gravity, and so no shaking is needed, and there's no delay when we want to garnish our eggs. The the quick-on-the-draw idea was born when Heinz asked customers how their iconic product could be improved. They told us that ketchup is perfect the way it is, said a spokesman. Their concerns were more about access. And so the boffins at Ketchup Central went back to the drawing board, and the new packaging means that we now live in the age of spring-loaded sauce. Ketchup ready when you are, chortles the label. Hallelujah. It's celebration time. As a quickaholic, my name is Jeff and I haven't got time to tell you my last name, I've always found the two-second shake and wait with the sauce so very frustrating. I eat at high speed as as if I'm afraid that someone's about to steal my chicken, and I prefer the shampoo with the conditioner combined because it saves me time. And speaking of showers, I begin most days slightly damp because I don't like to hang around to fully dry off. Seconds matter, and I know, that was too much information. When my computer takes longer than usual to download my emails, I twitch. I know that life is a marathon designed to be a comfortable jog, but I tend to tackle it at a sprint. Ironically, by going fast, I end up being late. Trying to squeeze too much in before I drive to an appointment, I calculate precisely how much time is needed for the journey, fret all the way, pray for red lights to turn green and arrive white-knuckled, agitated and late and I create complicated and yet more time-consuming problems by reacting rather than responding, rushing with mad haste to press send in response to that irritating email. Perhaps, worst of all, rushing, life in the fast lane becomes a blur. Laugh-out-loud moments that should be savoured and celebrated are left behind in the dust as I move on to the next thing. My fear is that I'm going to continue to hurtle through the whole of my life at a rate of knots, which will then lead to my premature death, and when they throw me into the grave, my body will thrash around for three days just because of the momentum. My challenge isn't jet lag, I think it's life lag. As Lily Tomlin famously said in The Rat Race, even if you win, you're still a rat. And so I'm asking Jesus, who was not only the Prince of Peace, but the Prince of Poise with it, to help me to break before I break. I can't go on sabbatical, rent a monk's habit and go all contemplative or abandon my responsibilities, but I can stop to breathe, allow laughter to linger, refuse to allow the schedule to become a god and leave on a journey an hour early, more about that in a moment, so that it becomes a trip and not a race. I can spend more time doing frivolous and useless things just for the sake of doing them. I can raise a glass to a sunset, go for a walk in the sea, fully clothed, and read a novel, and not just a Christian one, for no other purpose than relaxation. Slow down. It's tough for all of us, and perhaps the current crisis has forced us to ask why is it that we find slowing down and that lack of structure so difficult? Dashing. It's not a good way to live. I stared at the envelope and tried to halt the rising feel of dread that sickened my stomach. Printed on the corner of the stern brown stationery was the logo of the Surrey Constabulary, Victor Meldrew-like, I could not believe it. I've been caught speeding yet again the hapless target of a motorway camera. I won't make light of my crime and try to extract any humour from my being caught. Speeding kills people, and I was guilty. Never mind that I was only four miles over the limit, or that it seems that speed cameras have become a major source of income from local authorities these days. That's not the point. I was speeding. Last time it happened, I was forced to attend a speed awareness course. A sorry, shamed-looking group shuffled into a lecture room for a three-hour event designed to show us just how devastating speed can be. I actually enjoyed the experience and stayed behind afterwards to thank the instructor for a good evening, who responded by looking at me as if I was quite mad. I graduated from the course, which was no great achievement because all you have to do is just be there, and vowed that I'd slow down, a pledge that, I'm sad to say, I quickly broke with my excessively quick driving. I tend to live my life at speed. I mentioned earlier that I eat quickly, and I can't really think why. I wish I could say that I was raised in a large, hungry family where if you didn't eat your food quickly, it would be snatched off the plate, but it's just not true. And then I just race through my food because I tend to race through everything. I speed-read, preferring to skim over sentences rather than fully digest the words. I multitask, steam through to-do lists and fume in rush-hour traffic jams, where congestion means that the one thing you can't do is rush. I get things done so I can get on to the next thing, but there's always something else to do, somewhere else to go, some other experience that demands that whatever I'm doing, it won't be for long. Lately, I've been asking myself, why the haste? Isn't it true that rushing is an unconscious habit, one that's really hard to break? I dash around without thinking. I don't have to be late, under pressure, or behind schedule in order to be in a hurry. Slowing down just takes conscious effort. In a world of fast food and high-speed Wi-Fi, it's easy to just go with the flow, even if the flow is a torrent rather than a trickle. And then I rush simply because I always have. It's my default setting. I've no idea how long my mother was in labour when I came into the world, but I do know that I arrived early, very prematurely. Perhaps I took minutes rather than hours to make my appearance and having received a slap from the midwife, I proceeded to ask when school would be starting. Then there's the subtle pressure to be busy because haste offers proof that we're in demand, that those who need us must get in line or take a number. Plus, slowing down is just so hard. When I relax, I feel guilty. Going on holiday takes serious mental and emotional preparation. Suddenly finding myself, without activity, and the rush created by rushing, I can spiral down into vague depressiveness, enduring rather than enjoying those lazy days of sunshine. But as the speed awareness course demonstrated with horrifying illustrations, speed is truly devastating, and not just on the roads – I've made super-swift decisions that proved to be disastrous, messes that could have been prevented with some pause. I've wasted too many beautiful moments because I've not been fully present in them, quickly dashing on to the next thing, which I hoped would be better, which generally it was not. Life lived like that becomes something to get through, rather than an experience to savour. If I want to become more like Jesus then a better rhythm won't be a luxury but a necessity. He knew how to say no. At times he evaded the madding crowds and commanded his friends to come apart for a while, presumably so that they wouldn't fall apart. So wish me well as I make my attempt at slowing. Meanwhile, I've got to go, must get on, or maybe not. Hi, I'm Sam Hales. If you're enjoying Lucas on Life, you'll love The Profile podcast. Every week, we sit down with a leading Christian to find out more about their life, faith, and testimony. Here's Joyce Mayer. Anything that we give up for God, he gives it back to us multiplied so many, many times over. I encourage anybody to make whatever sacrifices they need to, to be in the perfect will of God, because there's no better place to be. Listen to the full interview with Joyce Mayer now on The Profile podcast. Just search for the profile wherever you get your podcast from, or visit Premier forward slash the profile. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. I'm Jeff Lucas. We're talking about slowing down, avoiding the rush. One idea to prevent us from dashing through life is to leave early. I know it sounds so very obvious, but over the years I wish I'd left early, be it for travel appointments, the airport or the dentist. Okay, not the dentist. Rushing, as I've said, is what I tend to spend my life doing. And it's mainly because of this one simple debilitating habit. I like to calculate how much time it will take me to get somewhere and then leave with exactly that amount of time to complete the journey. That means, as I mentioned earlier, that I'm constantly clock-watching while getting to meetings at my church office, which is 28 minutes and 30 seconds away if the traffic is light and the one traffic light that I despise is kind enough to be green. This habit means that I feel frantic as I dash to the airport 1 hour 14 minutes if I don't go to the drive through place on the way for a coffee hoping and praying that I'll be there on time, feeling massively stressed throughout the journey and arriving somewhat emotionally fractured. Ironically, in trying to achieve more, I achieve less because my head is brimming with anxiety and I waste the journey time. Instead of reflecting or planning, I'm too busy worrying that I'm going to miss the plane. I've also sprinted through airports to get to departure gates and on one occasion many years ago, our plane had actually pulled away onto the runway, but because of my last-minute antics, we'd caused two families to be late. That's a lot of empty seats. And so they actually pulled the airplane back to the gate and allowed us on, something that would never happen today. But the sound of tut-tutting from the other passengers as our breathless, sweaty group boarded the then-delayed plane was understandably deafening. Ironically, I am a very punctual person and I believe that being late is somewhat insulting because a delay costs other people time. When I'm late, not only am I delayed, but I send a message to those that I'm meeting that I don't consider their time to be important. It becomes a habit. I know people who were probably late being born and have been consistently late ever since. If they arrive punctually, then it's a surprise. Now they have a reputation and one for not keeping their word. In a way, being late is theft. Horace Mann put it rather bluntly. Unfaithfulness in the keeping of an appointment is an act of clear dishonesty. You may as well borrow a person's money as their time. Sometimes being late brings total disaster, as Doubting Thomas discovered when he missed that epic meeting with Jesus, which caused a week of emotional shadows for him. Nobody knows what he was doing and why he wasn't there. Perhaps he knew he'd be late for the gathering because of poor planning, so he didn't bother. And he missed the moment. But there's another episode in the Bible where we can be certain that a delayed arrival created all kinds of problems. Samuel had agreed to meet nervous King Saul, and he was just a little late. I'm not talking 20 minutes or even an hour. Saul had been told to wait a week for Samuel to arrive, but even then, Samuel missed the deadline and Saul's demoralised troops began to scatter. Saul panicked and offered sacrifices, a job reserved exclusively for the priesthood. We're not told why Samuel was delayed, but his lateness certainly had dire consequences. So let's keep our word. Don't say the cheque is in the post if it isn't. Leave early. Be on time, and may God help us with all of that in mind to slow down and not live life in a dash. See you next time. Lucas on Life.